0: Got no money to fix my car When I buy gas, don't get me very far My baby needs some milk to drink And mama wants her wine I get a check each week But I don't know what's mine I'm losing track I don't know what to do I got the budgeting Welcome to Sensible Chat, the podcast committed to helping you learn positive money mindsets, destroy debt, reduce financial stress, and break the paycheck-to-paycheck cycle. Today, we're going to chat with Nick Stoller, author of The Truth Shall Set Your Wallet Free, and the financial matchmaker responsible for myperfectfinancialadvisor.com. He's going to debunk myths about the price of financial help and share truths that are sure to set your wallet free. After class, Sensible Bobby shares a saving secret that's just a phone call away. But first, she's going to talk about getting a head start on planning for the new year. So let's get to the deer of doe, who helps you budget your bottom line, the beast of budgeting, the credit risk conqueror. Here is Sensible Bobby.
1: Thanks, Scott. Well, we've only got a couple weeks left of 2019. Have you checked off everything on your year-end money-do list? If not, now is a great time to get these things done, including reviewing your insurance, contributing to your HSA, 401k, or IRA, spending down your FSA, and a whole lot more. Listen to the year-end money do list episode of this podcast from October of last year for details on how to get all of this done and why it's so important to wrap it all up before December 31st. There's also a tip sheet for this, which you can find on the articles and tips page at sensiblechat.com. Also popular this time of year, the Christmas bonus. If you're lucky enough to get one, have you thought about what to do with it? If you know one is coming, I suggest making a plan for it now, so the money doesn't slip away before you turn around. Think about what's on your priority list, what's on your wish list, and what financial stresses you could eliminate today with that money. For more ideas, check out 10 Ways to Use Your Christmas Bonus on the Articles and Tips page at sensiblechat.com. Also consider creating your spending plan for the new year. This will give you some time to think through what next year might look like financially. Are any of your expenses changing? Did you get a raise? Has your insurance premium changed? Any medical bills, house repairs, or new appliances on the horizon? For big-ticket items, you can estimate the total cost and break it down into a monthly savings amount. If you used a spending plan last year, great! Just get it out, review it, and make any necessary changes for next year. If you're starting from scratch, check out the 10-Day Budget Challenge on the resources page at sensiblechat.com to help create your spending plan and budget. What about the kids? Kids? Chances are someone is giving them cash during the holidays, so this is a great opportunity to engage them about smart spending and saving. Have they thought about what they want to use their Christmas money for? Have them create a spending plan? Is there something they've been longing for, or are they more likely to just spend it on the first shiny object they see? Would they like to save it towards something that costs a bit more than they're likely to get at Christmas? Do they want to put part of it aside for giving? Is there something the kids would like to do together that they can pool their money for? Or is there a specific gift, something more important to them than the latest toy or gadget that everyone who would ordinarily buy them a toy can pitch in to pay for? Having these conversations with your kids can go a long way in teaching them to be thoughtful about money and use it intentionally to make the most of it. Plus, friends and family would really enjoy being part of something they really care about. If you want help creating spending plans and budgets for the holidays and next year, get in touch with me. All my contact info is available at sensiblechat.com. Now, planning ahead may seem overwhelming at times, but it really makes life much less stressful and more enjoyable in the long run. So what else should we be planning for? And who can we turn to for help? How about my perfect financial advisor?
0: Okay, class. Sensible University is now in session. Today's guest professor is Nick Stoller, author of The Truth Shall Set Your Wallet Free. Nick is a respected and outspoken authority on the financial advisory universe. He is founder and CEO of My Perfect Financial Advisor, which intends to be the e-harmony of matching investors and consumers to advisors, regardless of how much money they have. The nation's largest advisory firms, mutual funds, and insurance carriers have relied on his companies to understand the financial advisor community. He has been quoted in The New York Times, Dow Jones, Reuters, and Yahoo, and has been interviewed on NBC, CBS, PBS, and others.
1: Nick, thanks for being our guest professor today.
2: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: The name of your book is The Truth Shall Set Your Wallet Free. I love that title. How did you come up with it?
2: Well, thank you for that. And and the subtitle is, of course, uh, Secrets to Finding Your Perfect Financial Advisor. The reason I picked the title was that people do not understand advisors to their own detriment, and they can save an awful lot of money every year when they have an advisor. And so I wanted to have a catchy name that really spoke to the benefit of having a financial advisor and and the book is in bookstores. So I wanted it to be as catchy as possible. Well, it
1: certainly caught my eye. And that brings me to the first chapter of your book, which is titled Why We All Need Financial Advisors. A lot of us don't believe that we're in a situation where that is necessary. So why do you believe all of us need a financial advisor?
2: Well, financial advice, wealth management, financial planning, whatever moniker you put on it is really complicated. It's incredibly difficult. So number one, when something is very difficult, usually you like to hire a professional like, and I'm making a joke, medicine, law, accounting, engineering, architecture. Generally, these are things you don't do it yourself for something important. So number one, wealth management is difficult. Number two, it changes all the time. So it's it's impossible to stay up on everything. Number three, it's emotional. It's incredibly emotional. And it's nearly impossible for a person to really have distance emotionally from their money and wealth issues. And the most important reason everyone needs an advisor is that the research has proven that advisors do better for the investor than being completely self-directed. And these are very well-known organizations that have done these research studies. The studies are relatively new, maybe a decade old. So there's many reasons you need a professional advisor. Even if you're a successful self-directed investor, you can absolutely get great benefit from having an advisor just you know, peeking over your shoulder and, and giving you a couple of tips.
1: But let's say that I don't have anything to invest. I'm just living paycheck to paycheck. I'm trying to make ends meet. Investing is the last thing from my mind at this point in time because I just don't have anything to put towards it. Are there reasons that a financial advisor could still benefit me?
2: Without question. In fact, most of America falls into that camp. And the kind of financial advisor you would need is is generally called a financial planner. And there are thousands and thousands of financial planners all around the country that actually won't even manage your money if you ask them. They only do plans. There are a lot more that do both plans and manage assets. But if you don't have assets to invest, the kind of professional you need is a financial planner. And what they do is they look at everything related to money in your life, your income, your expenses, what you spend money on, your healthcare costs, and they do what's called a financial plan for you. And they ask you, of course, what are your goals? Where do you want to be in you know, one year, five years, 10 years from now, et cetera? And they help you put together a plan and look at things that you probably never thought of looking at yourself. And the best ones will actually be very brutally honest with you and say, look, you're doing a few things here that are wrong, that you shouldn't do, that. self-destructive and there are many cases here's a simple example of the type of person that desperately needs a financial advisor if you're three four five years out of college you have credit card debt a lot of it in student debt and you're say a professional that's kind of a prototypical type of client that could get great benefit out of a financial planner because likely, you know, they're leasing a car that's probably too expensive or they're probably taking, you know, one too many vacations or, you know, living the high life. You know, you're right out of college, you know, life is good and, you know, you want to enjoy yourself. However, huge credit card debt and student debt is choking you from saving and investing for your future. And a financial planner can come in and say, here's what you need to do. Here's where you need to scrimp. Here's where you need to change things and here's the benefit that you're going to get out of that over the next, you know, 10 or 15 years.
1: That's very interesting because most of the time, in my experience anyway, when I hear about financial planners, they're specifically referring to retirement. And I haven't heard about a lot of others. They may say, yeah, you know, we can do this, too, but we're mostly focused on retirement. So I guess those should actually be named more retirement planners than financial planners. But are there a lot of people that are focused now more on, you know, kind of the shorter term rather than just retirement planning?
2: Yeah. And in fact, that's one of the reasons I wrote the book is there's a lot of myths out there. And there are a lot of advisors that focus on the retirement market. However, financial planning plans for everything. It's not just retirement, it's college funding, it is your parents' well being due to longevity, it's planning for that around the world vacation you've been pining for for years and years and years. So, planning is is a term to plan for something, and it could be multiple things, you know, planning for your kid's education, as well as your retirement, as well as taking care of mom and dad. So there are many things to plan for. And if someone's a financial planner and they have a designation, for example, a CFP, they're taught about all the different things one should plan for. Plan for disaster, plan for unexpected, you know, circumstances you know, plan for illness, i.e. usually that's accomplished with some form of insurance. So retirement just gets kind of the ink in the papers and, and on websites. But there's so many other things you know to plan for.
1: And especially for those of us who are making less money, this is going to be even more important because it's going to take more planning and more time to get there, which brings up the question of, you know, there's such a myth out there that you have to be rich in order to Pay for these kinds of services for financial planners. What's the reality in that?
2: I mean, the reality is, ever since I've been in the industry, which I've been in the industry since 85, but when I started, actually, I was an advisor, a broker back in in the 80s. But in 91, I started working with and for advisors. Ever since that year, and I know for a fact before, there have been advisors that charge really modest flat rates, charge hourly rates. So it's really a myth that an advisor or planner is only for the wealthy. The reason that myth happened is only the largest of firms could afford To advertise on TV and newspaper and whatnot, and so the assumption was you have to be wealthy, but there are actually far more advisors that cater to middle-income investors and even lower middle-income than those that help the wealthy, and that's a statistical fact. It's actually public data. You know, if you're if you're really a data person, you can go to different regulatory websites and look it up. But um, it's really always been a myth, and it's becoming more of a myth every year because, for example, in the last few years. Organizations have been formed around financial planning for Gen X and Gen Y people. And often these planners charge $70 a month, which is basically affordable by almost anyone. So really, getting an advisor is, has never only been for the wealthy, at least in my lifetime.
1: That's such a bummer that it hasn't been more widely promoted as such because there are so many of us over all these years, just since you've been in the industry, that could have benefited highly from these kinds of services had we even known that they were available or thought to look for them.
2: I know. It's remarkable. But there's a pragmatic reason why is that most advisors that cater to investors that are of modest means are small businesses, you know, they have maybe a hundred clients, they don't advertise, it's all been through referral. So what you don't read is what you learn to come as a fact. And so if all you see is, you know, large firm on TV advertising, and you read that their minimum is a million dollars and you see no other contra narrative, then what are you to believe? And so it's just it's kind of it makes sense. It's unfortunate. And once a year you'll read maybe in, you know, Money Magazine or Keplinger's about the Garrett Network, for example, one group, a terrific group that has there in my book. And I've known Cheryl for a long time, the founder. But you know, they don't get nearly enough press to make a dent in the mind share of the kind of market they and so many others serve. And so that's part of the reason I wrote
1: the book. Well, thank you so much for the book because there are so many of us out here that could use that information. And that leads right into, you know you, we were talking about the affordability of it and $70 a month, and that sounds like an affordable amount for just about anybody. But let's say that someone was saying, for me, that's a huge amount. That's just insurmountable. I am in poverty. Mm-hmm. Are there resources for those people as well? Absolutely.
2: There are foundations all around the country and I'm close to the only national nonprofit that supports financial planning. It's called the Foundation for Financial Planning and it's affiliated with the Financial Planning Association and the CFP board. And so in short, there are dozens, and actually hundreds of organizations around this country, both nonprofit and governmental that support pro bono financial advice and so you know if you are in poverty and you need help you can reach out to a local agency or a local nonprofit that's focused on financial literacy and get a bona fide, licensed, trained advisor to help you you move out of your situation. And specifically for the foundation, they've helped thousands and thousands of people and tens of thousands of financial planning hours were donated over the last number of years, helping Hurricane Katrina victims, returning war veterans. Now they have a huge initiative to help folks who have cancer because, and this is something I didn't even know until I learned it from the foundation, something like a third of all cancer victims' families Go through bankruptcy wow. because the financial burden, you know, the healthcare situation in this country isn't great and right. a lot of the costs aren't covered. And the only way to, to make it viable is you declare bankruptcy. And so they need resources and, and advice on how to weather that storm. So there's an enormity of resources out there. And again, you don't read about this in the popular press hardly ever. Yeah. You know, once a year you'll see, you know, an article, in the trade press that is read by and created for advisors writes about it on a regular basis, but the consumer media doesn't, in my opinion, with enough regularity. And so I think every publisher should run a free ad for organizations like this, you know, constantly. So people can reach out to people that are in trouble and say, Hey, here's an organization that you should turn to a local organization that can help you out. So yeah, it's a myth and it shouldn't
1: be a well-kept secret, but it is. Ah, that's such a shame. Well, hopefully we can get the word out to as many people as possible that these resources exist. And actually in chapter 20 of your book, that whole chapter is dedicated to resources available for that kind of thing. Is that correct?
2: It is. It is. And I talk about the foundation. I talk about the FPA pro bono chapters. I also did some random Googling and found advisors who have pro bono advice as a core fundamental philosophy of theirs right on their websites that are just independent and feel that they want to give back. And that's another thing is advisors in general are a very generous bunch and that never gets any ink at all. There's so many organizations and people that want to help that there's ample supply there if you're really looking and need the help.
1: Okay. So going beyond your book, you actually started a website called myperfectfinancialadvisor.com. And the premise behind this is kind of interesting. Tell us about that
2: sure it it, it kind of goes hand in hand with with the book and i conceived of the book and the company and the software application at the same time and basically the system is almost akin to the dating site eharmony as opposed to the dating site match.com where it uses artificial intelligence and data and the significant securities industry expertise we have to find the perfect advisor for an investor, regardless of how little or much money uh, you have. And so an investor goes onto the site and answer some questions, and hopefully allows us to see some deep detail about them financially. They don't have to, but but it's better if they do because the match will be better. And then we do the same thing for the advisor, and then we match them almost like a marriage, you know, a matchmaker. In fact, we don't even allow photographs on the site because we want people to focus on getting matched to the appropriate advisor for them, you know. And we tell the investor based on the data. We think you should hire this advisor and do it today. And if you don't like this advisor or for whatever reason you don't want to hire them, here's a second, third, fourth, and fifth option for you as well. And just you know, for your listeners, we charge the advisors a flat $1,000 a year to be in the platform, and it's free to investors. That's our only source of revenue. It's a very uh, democratized product And the focus is to really help investors get their right advisor.
1: That's awesome. Wow. What a great thing. And I love the eHarmony connection. That's great because a lot of people can connect with that. They understand, you know, what eHarmony does. So that makes it easier to understand the premise of your company and your website. But now you said investors and advisors. Does this also work for people who are just looking for financial planning services?
2: Absolutely. So when you go on the site as an investor and you say, you know, I don't have any money, but, uh, you know, I I want to uh, figure out how to retire. Well, the default is we're going to match you to a financial planner.
1: And that's so important because that's the other thing. If people even decide that they do need these services and that they are available within their budget, then the big thing is how do I find the right person? So this is a really great resource.
2: Thank sure. you. Yeah. We're, we're, we t- take a lot of the book and codify it into code and make it easier. I and mean, people should still you know reference the book because there's tips in the book on how to interview the advisor and, and how to ask questions. And you should always go through your own due diligence. But based upon the data... You know, we're, we're able to make it much easier for an investor to find someone that's ideal for them and just take a lot of the fear out of how do I hire an advisor? And we have a strict due diligence process for the advisors. Advisors have to have a pristine regulatory history. Uh, they have to be advisors, first of all. A lot of investors, not a lot of investors, some investors make the mistake of not checking out someone who says they're an advisor to see if they're, in fact, even lawfully registered. right, And that's where most of the, not all, but most of the real bad frauds occur with someone who's just not licensed at all. And so we make sure they're licensed. Then we check out their background and they have to have a pristine regulatory history. And then we allow them into the platform.
1: You know, there's so many emotions tied up in people's finances. So sometimes even when they're looking for these services, you know, they might sit down with somebody, but they're afraid to reveal everything that might be going on with them financially. Can you talk about why that's important to kind of get past that thinking in your head to make the most out of what you can get from a financial advisor?
2: It's almost the animal fear instinct to not share, which is actually on some levels a healthy instinct, but it becomes unhealthy when you have absolutely no education in how to find this type of professional. So in order for the advisor to do the best possible job for the investor or the consumer, they have to know everything you know obviously how much money you make and your tax bracket and what assets you have if you're in the market but also your health you know how many kids do you have do you have a weekend home you know are you going to inherit you know a boatload of money in 3 years you know are you going through a lawsuit i mean anything you can Conceivably, think of are you going through a divorce? They need that information so they can actually do their job. It's good for people to be fearful, but that's where it comes in to do your research and make sure you understand at a basic level. Advisors, so with education, you're less fearful because you're educated. And so, once you're a little bit educated, you can relax a little bit. You know, you always have to keep on verifying over the course of time, but it's imperative. And I have so many stories of folks that just. Don't share with their advisor to the investor's detriment. You know, if you're keeping a secret pile of cash with another advisor, if both advisors don't know about this and you're like, you're doing A B testing with your advisor, that's fine. But you got to let them both know because they're going to tell you to do certain things that, in the absence of that information, actually might not be ideal for you. And that's just one simple example. Ignorance is not bliss in the financial advice world. (laughs) You really need to open the kimono and tell your advisor. But along the way, you just need to understand what your advisor is doing for you, even at the basic level. And even if someone who's listening here today has an advisor, if you can't speak for 60 seconds on what your advisor does for a living, that's a problem. You need to get educated quickly. And this is, it's an epidemic of ignorance. You know, you got to get educated a little bit and then share and then stay on top of your advisor. But it's emotionally, it's understandable. You don't want to tell him everything, but you're only shooting yourself. And it's like telling your doctor, it's like omitting that about that purple thing on your toe. Yeah, maybe it's nothing but maybe it's everything. You right. just don't want to, you don't want to hide facts from the person who is going to help you retire for God's sakes.
1: Sure. Sure. And that brings up an interesting point, especially the correlation about the doctor. If you're not eating right, you may be afraid to tell the doctor because you know, they're going to say, now, you know, you need to eat better. But if you don't say that in, you know, maybe you have diabetes, but they haven't checked that because there's not been any indication. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. If you have something going on financially that you're not telling people like maybe there's, a loan that you have stopped paying on and you've just kind of tried to forget about it and go on with your life, but it's going to catch up to you and you're not telling your financial planner about things like that. They can't help you unless they know.
2: Absolutely. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I think it's part human nature to not want to share that information. And also it's cultural in the US. For some odd reason, talking about money and personal finances has always been taboo. That's a problem. It's become a problem, I should say. But it's also human nature. But you have to overcome that because you're not giving the advisor the tools to really do the best possible Job And in fact, they might be doing the wrong thing for you because they're ignorant of some other facet of your life that might very well be quite important. The challenge with all things money and wealth is that it's intangible, at least with your health. It can be some visible proof that something is awry. Often that's not the case, you know, outside of an empty bank account. But outside of that a lot of things with wealth management and financial planning just simply aren't obvious. So people don't know what question to even ask. And that's part of the challenge. And that makes it more difficult in some cases than administering other kinds of advice. And when you think that your advisor is not doing the right thing for you, ask tons of questions, get clarity, don't leave the office or the call unless they can answer your questions. And if you think they're doing the wrong thing, you can always get a second opinion for a few hundred bucks and you can always find a new advisor if you're not happy. No, you're, not, you're not married to them. Right. At least you shouldn't marry your advisor. Um, <laughs> your spouse shouldn't be your advisor. You may have three or four or five advisors in a lifetime, maybe more, in a healthy way. You change, they change, et cetera. And, and personally, over the past three years preparing for this book, as kind of a hobby, I helped friends and family find advisors. And you can see the look on their face. They're fearful and, they're, and they're, a lot of people are embarrassed you know, there's a neighbor I have. And he was, you know, he's like, I'm 50. I've never had an advisor. I don't have that much money. And you could tell he was embarrassed. I said, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. You've got a home, number one, good for you, because not everybody does. Right. You know, you've got a lot of things going for you and they're a vendor to you. They're a contractor. They're working for you. Ask them all the questions, just like someone changing out of sync. The price. Ask them questions. Don't let any answer go uh, un- un- re- responded to. Don't feel stupid because it's complicated. You know, you don't feel stupid when you go into a doctor's office right. and ask all kinds of questions. Well, don't feel stupid, you know. Interviewing and asking lots of what you might think are basic questions of your advisor.
1: And that brings up another interesting point because if they're making a plan for you, it's probably going to be in writing when the plan is finished. So a lot of people might think, okay, they're the expert. They wrote up the plan. I'll just take it and go home. How important is it for them to review that plan and just make sure it gels with everything they not only understand, but want?
2: At least every year, it's, it's mission critical. It's absolutely mission critical. For example, Let's say you get a plan, Uh, you know, husband, wife, two kids in college. And then nine months later, um, one of the spouses gets a cancer diagnosis. And let's say it's serious. Well, that will likely change things financially for you, perhaps dramatically. That plan's got to change. Now, how many people actually think, okay, got cancer diagnosis, top five things to do. No no one's thinking, call my financial advisor in the first 30 But yeah, you need to because... Insurance policies have to be reviewed, healthcare costs. I mean, all kinds of things have to get reviewed. And that's just one little, that's one very obvious example, but the list goes on and on. When life happens, usually there's some kind of, you get a huge raise. You get a new job, you move to a different state with different taxes. You know, you inherit something, you have a grandkid, you have a kid, you get divorced, you get remarried. There's all kinds of things that can happen. You know, you start a new company, the laws changed. An insurance product you bought four years ago, they changed the terms on the contract. Right. You know, there's no way the average consumer's on top of that stuff. There's just no way.
1: Right. And the cancer thing that you brought up is a really, really super good example because, you know, all the things that you mentioned are very important. But as you said, you know, if you get a cancer diagnosis, your first thought, of course, is not going to be I need to call my financial advisor. But if we thought that way, how much peace of mind could so many of us get out of that, that at least that portion we can put on somebody else to help us take care of when there's so much now that we have to take care of?
2: Without question, the emotional stress on someone going through financial duress because of an illness is uh, astonishing. I mean, people, and also when you're emotional, you make bad decisions. Like you'll yank money out from some source to pay for an unpaid, uncovered bill maybe that's the wrong place to take the money from. Maybe it's the most expensive place to take the money from.
1: And just those little things could make such a huge difference. Now, I wanted to ask you, because student loan debt is such a huge thing right Mm -hmm. now. And, you know, there's so many kids that go into it and sign up for these loans that they don't understand. Are there financial advisors that specialize in helping families plan for paying for college?
2: Absolutely. There are thousands of advisors that have a niche in college funding without question. And more so because there's a whole host of technology companies and alternative lenders out there that are providing advisors with new solutions for their clients to deal with debt that's already been locked in. Ah. So there's this fintech revolution going on, a renaissance, if you will, that's making it easier to do things that were very difficult to accomplish, if not impossible, you know, even ten years ago. And advisors are adopting these solution providers and technologies to help clients cope with them. But we, yeah, without question, there's many advisors all around the country that have a focus on college funding. And that's a big part of a financial plan. You're saving money. You know which 529 plan to pick? How much money should you save? But Here's one of the big topical questions. Saving for yourself and your own retirement versus saving for your child's future education. That's, yes. a, that's become a big question because of ballooning student debt. And, you know, the sandwich generation of taking care of both of their parents and their kids. That's a huge thing to plan for. Yeah.
1: And if you don't do it right, you won't be able to help. I mean, you think that you should pick your child's education over your retirement. But if you do that, that could put you in peril for the rest of your life.
2: Well, it's one of the interviews I did in the book was of a a gentleman who had a lot of societal pressure from his community to go to the best possible four-year school which, you know, i.e. the most expensive. And one of the things he wished he had done is talk to an advisor that specialized in college funding. And perhaps he would have rethought that and maybe gone to a community college for the first two years, transferred to the expensive, you know, brand name school. No one ever knows and sees on your resume you went to a community college because all you say is I graduated from whatever, you know, Yale, Northeastern, pick your school. They don't see that you went to a community college for pennies on the dollar. Nobody cares. But... Half the bill when you graduate. But he had a lot of pressure to do things a certain traditional way. So, but yeah, there's key decisions. You know, how much financial aid can you get? Where can you get it? There's a lot of resources out there with advisors.
1: Well, all of this that you have told us today certainly proves that the truth shall indeed set your wallet free. So (laughs) this is a great book and I think one that all of us can benefit from greatly. So I I just want everybody to check out the book, The Truth Shall Set Your Wallet Free. It's available on amazon.com and also your website, myperfectfinancialadvisor.com. Is that the best way for people to get a hold of you personally if they had more questions or? Uh, It is, or they can go to my
2: personal website com and they can uh, reach out to me that way or the company website com. I read all emails so- sooner or later hopefully sooner <laughs>
1: <laughs> great okay com and myperfectfinancialadvisor.com we'll certainly put links on the on our website at sensiblechat.com and uh, again your book The Truth Shall Set Your Wallet Free Nick thank you so much for joining us today and thank you for all the great and valuable information
0: thank you you for having me a big sensible thank you to our guest professor nick stoller ceo of my perfect financial advisor and author of the truth shall set your wallet free visit his personal website at nicholasstuller.com to learn more about him and check out my perfect financial advisor.com to find your perfect match
1: who knew that low and middle income families could get this kind of help too after all, we need these services even more than rich people do, so it's great to know it's available at a cost we can live with. Isn't it amazing? Help is out there. Sometimes, all we have to do is ask. If you value the green, if you save as you go, your wealth is closer than it seems, and you can make
0: that cash
1: flow. Welcome to Saving Secrets, where we share super easy and ready-to-use savings tips you may not have thought about. If you've got saving secrets you'd like to share, email me, Bobby, B O B B I, at sensiblechat.com, and I'll share your tip in an upcoming episode. Today's saving secret is. You guessed it, ask. While you're planning your finances for 2020, take the opportunity to call all your service providers and ask for a better deal. This includes phone, internet, and cable. It's amazing how many stories I hear of people that got a better deal just by asking. If you feel uncomfortable doing it yourself, there are a ton of companies out there offering to do it for you, including trim, bill fixers, bill cutters. A quick Google search for companies that save you money on internet, cable, and other things brought up a whole list of them for me. But remember, if you let them do it, they get a piece of the pie – plus you have to provide your account information. So give it some thought, but remember, people are making these deals and saving money all the time, so it can be done. Just have a bit of confidence, pick up the phone, and ask for what you want. Good luck and happy saving! If you want to share your saving secret, email me, Bobby B-O-B-B-I, at sensiblechat.com. Before we wrap up, I just want to put a thought in your head. What is the one gift you'd like to get this holiday season that doesn't cost any money? I love having an answer to this because I'm shy about answering people when they ask. After all, I know what it's like when you can't afford much and you never know who's in that position. So I always like to answer with something that doesn't cost a cent. And this year, All I want for Christmas is a rating for this podcast on iTunes. So if you'd like to get me a gift, just stop by iTunes and rate this podcast. Be honest, I'm not asking for anything fake, just your honest rating of the show. A review would be great too. What would your answer be if I asked you what you wanted for Christmas that didn't cost a cent? Drop me an email, Bobby B-O-B-B-I, at sensiblechat.com, leave a comment on my Facebook page, or record your thoughts on my voicemail at 562-265-8182, and I'll share it in the next episode. All the contact info is also available at sensiblechat.com. Check back here in two weeks, right before Christmas, for a chat with Mark Guberti, best-selling author and host of the Breakthrough Success and Ditch Your Job podcasts. His goal is to positively impact the lives of over 1 billion people within his lifetime and pave the way for more teens to embrace their dreams at an early age. Pretty tall order, but he's accomplished a ton already and is still in his early 20s, so I believe he can definitely achieve his goal. Tune in for his inspiring story and the tools he's using to live a financially independent life. Thanks for listening and happy holidays until next time. Keep spending and saving the
0: sensible way that does it for this episode of sensible chat with your host sensible Bobby links for all the resources mentioned can be found in the show notes for this episode at sensiblechat.com. that's sensible with a C while you're there find your favorite app to be sure and never miss a show on social media. Look for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you need help with your budget or want to share your thoughts, Reach out to Sensible Bobby through the contact page at sensiblechat.com. That's Sensible with a C.